in the talk with you this evening, I would like to explore a little the field of duality. During our days here together, we have touched upon different threads, threads and themes which constitute our life. And it has been referred to in a number of times the way our life is quite often conceived of in terms of our personal story. And there is this interaction which you and I and we have with ourselves and with each other and others near and far to communicate and express our personal story of life. And we see that this mutual exchange is taking place from one day to the next through one year, one decade to the next and how much of our life and the interchange that takes place really hinges on his story, her story and all the meetings that can take place sometimes in joy and pain and, and love and sadness and all in the diversity of expressions which reveal and tell about ourselves, about who we are and also others tell us about them. And all of this, the world of the story matters immensely to human beings. And it's not surprising therefore that this manifests and it expresses itself in countless stories that have influenced and shaped our lives and the whole movement of, uh, of life itself through generations. It expresses itself in many ways through the, the arts and fields of creativity. And how you and I, we as beings on the earth, love the life of the story. Sometimes, of course, difficulties and troubles with the way the story is, the way that it's showing itself, as Jose referred the other evening to the world of the script yesterday evening. And we endeavour to find ways and means that within the story that unfolds, that hopefully for ourselves and for others, there's the minimal amount of suffering and pain in whatever way it's unfolding. And of course the uh, spiritual teachings have a very direct interest in our story, in what is unfolding in our life. And when we speak of our life, our story, it often of course refers to the events, to the content of situations, the circumstances that are involved, the way others as well as ourselves are included, and through that, we build up a picture of another human being. We build up a picture of ourselves and all the inter-process, the interconnectedness which 
goes with it. And then it seems as though here, and sometimes in a rather um, austere and perhaps rather simplified uh, way of things, we have said, let's be silent, which is another way of saying, let's put aside this, our personal stories, and that even when they arise with some uh, vividness in our uh, meditations in our day, let's not be concerned with all of that, and that perhaps by going on another road, a road less travelled, so to speak, that that movement on another road may in some way influence significantly and possibly dramatically the whole sense of the story of our life. And one wonders, what could that mean to go from the relative truth of our existence and all the comings and the goings of it, the dualities of it, what is accepted and what is unaccepted, what is liked and what is disliked, and all that features which we call who I am, that we go on another road and that other road somehow um, suffuses or informs or affects the whole inner life of ourselves and in a way which we can genuinely uh, feel the appreciation for. And thus it's, it's as though we go from the, as it were, impersonal to the personal, to affect or influence the personal. And sometimes, as I mentioned with the, with the arts and the, the diversity of them, in a way they're kind of almost material representations, in a way, of our inner life and the abundance of the naturally creative flows and expressions that take place. And in, well, re- recently, I, uh, speaking for myself for a moment, have um, dis- discovered um, somebody by the name of William Shakespeare. And for some uh, of you, and uh, maybe as it was for me, that at the time when one was at uh, school, there was a kind of savage, certainly in um, uh, English schools, um, a rather savage assault on one's sensitivities. And the way that that would show itself was the kind of desire to force us, regardless of uh, who and where we were, to learn, to read, to memorize, and to uh, absorb. And some of us, and I am cert- was certainly one of those, uh, very strongly uh, resisted this um, pressure from school, from the, uh, from the uh, educators. And sometimes I and others here have let and allowed the time to go by, and then in a different way one starts to rediscover or discover for the first time and find one's appreciation of, of beautiful and insightful communications. And certainly there's a, a vast reservoir of insightful teachings to be found in the world of the arts and the world of creativity, in, in the world of the, of the written word. 
and similarly in the world of poetry as well. And I just, in this talk on duality and the world that we live in, I picked up a, a book in a local bookshop and two um, young Dubliners, um, capital of Ireland, wrote to some, uh, a number of famous people and they produced a book called Lifelines of which all the profits are going to um, people in uh, Somalia and uh, Ethiopia and they produced an anthology of poems chosen by famous people, mostly from, the, the, from Ireland and parts of uh, Britain. And one of the poems which was chosen was written by, uh, shall we say, one of your own, uh, Robert Frost, and it's called The Road Not Taken. And when I was reading this uh, collection, this anthology of poems, it, it, it struck me, and it may uh, have struck you, that sometimes we see in the movement of our life, things and opportunities have shown and revealed themselves to us. And for one reason or another, we have moved down one road, or we have moved down another. And the very long-term uh, consequences and influences of uh, these steps that we take uh, in our life. And it seems like in the duality, in the movement of life, we, in various ways, find ourselves at the crossroads and thought moves back and forth. Shall I go this way or shall I go that way? And I think rather eloquently uh, Robert Frost has uh, endeavoured to communicate this. It's called The Road Not Taken. And a very um, picturesque, very, very delightful poem. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveller, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, and as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I ever should come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. And so I say sometimes in the movement of life, and apparently in the flow, if not the choices of life, that you and I may find ourselves with choices which present themselves in all manner of foreseen and unforeseen circumstances. One of the roads may take one way and another another way and perhaps as Frost says we have some percent, some perception of what it might be going down that road um, a little ways or, and some sense of where that is. But sometimes we know not and sometimes 
we might ask ourselves, which is the road less travelled? And sometimes we have experienced in our, in our life and experiences of life of having quite strong and um, palpable forces of attraction which can pull us along a particular road. And in that, going along that road, there's going to be some um, major satisfaction for oneself, there's going to be some status, some significant financial remuneration, and all the so-called benefits of uh, the secular world. And sometimes we've looked at that and we've seen and felt in fact, the the, the pull and the attraction there, and we've looked and we have said, but what's the road less travelled? What is it to go along another road? And as I say, sometimes in the very heart of uh, the point at which we are in life, we are confronted in life and, and challenged to have the capacity in life to say, no, or to say yes. Similarly, sometimes when we look at ourselves and uh, and going deeply into ourselves and all that's implied in that, that also can trigger the uh, the, the element of an apparent choice with life, and sometimes when we say, well, I should listen to the voice inside of myself, I should listen deeply to the voice inside. But often, as we know, it's not that simple, and sometimes it isn't that clear, particularly when there are two voices. Particularly when one voice, one minute says, do this, and the other voice, the next minute, and that says, we should do that. And there is some movement between the two. And therefore, we can't rely on on the certainty, as it were, of an inner voice which can uh, move back and forwards. And then sometimes we, we we look and we see what the what the uh, internal movement that is taking place with us, and then we might ask ourselves, with that inner um, movement, again, what is the road less travelled? Again, what is the softer voice inside? What is the kinder voice that I uh, am hearing inside? Which one is harder or rougher? Which one is, is showing something uh, more deep and caring? Or sometimes we listen to the voice inside of ourselves and, and we ask ourselves, which voice for change, for discovery, which voice is inviting me to take the, more, the greater risk? And so, when, when there is that movement uh, taking place inside of us, and we're experiencing that oscillation, that du- du- duality, the way that we relate to that du- duality, which is the deeper one? Which is the one that invites more risk? Which is the road less travelled? And therefore, we, we find ways to express that, to go along, as uh, Frost is speaking there, go along that road, because as he, he says, there two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. 
So sometimes when at these junctions of the duality of light and the movement, sometimes that movement is such that if we go the common road, and it's all too powerful and <coughs> easy for us to do that, then that seems to be just a continuity of the old. And therefore, spiritual life, awareness is in life at these junctions, I do think includes the making of a leap, the taking of a risk, of going and the movement in life from the known into the unknown. Sometimes, in the, the way of the duality of the life and the, the expression and the, the feeling for, for it, that at times there's the experience of our conditioned response to the world that manifests our likes and our dislikes. And, and you know, sometimes we we, we're touched through the senses and from the contact through the senses a pleasant feeling arises and from that pleasant feeling arises through a movement inside it gives support to the pleasant feeling and when the support gets intensified from the pleasant feeling it becomes a liking through the intensification of the liking it becomes an attraction through the attraction it becomes a pull sometimes quite magnetic, quite magnetic, a pull towards. And this pull of the mind uh, and feeling life to, towards something you and I we experience. Similarly, sometimes the contact is with the unpleasant. This contact with the un unpleasant it arises from that there can be some uh, reactivity taking place, there's disliking taking place. The intensification of disliking can be negativity, um, resentment, uh, hatred, violence. But the very basis of it, in a dual life, in a polarized life, can be either intense liking and pulling which pulls us in the, 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 the intense desire to have or at other times the intense disliking and our life gets moved and pulled and pushed by the momentum of these two forces where is the love? Sometimes we get so confused and we say that, that um, love and hate are opposite to each other, that is not the case and never been possible. What is opposite to each other is in uh, of which we don't have a word in the English language. We, ha we can have hating or intense liking. These polarize each, each other and sometimes because of that intense liking, that intense pursuance of, we get pulled along that road and it's a road which doesn't lead anywhere. Only, in, if anything, only into an abjectness of life, a desecration of life, 
So again, the steadiness of being in life, where there's the pushing and the pulling of those as we have been engaged in together here. Can I find a steadiness within this pushing and pulling, not to make a virtue of the steadiness itself, but the steadiness contributing to an access to something else? Not for itself, but for something other in this. Sometimes in life, I will take an, another poem if I may. Sometimes in life, and I think the contemplative life, it, 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 it keeps uh, contributing to um, a reflections upon life which do appear to be, as it were, bigger than oneself. And I think that's the wonderful uh, uh, joy of the arts and of creativity, and in this case poetry, that it reminds us of a, of a bigger sense of life. And there are a number of poems, those of you who are, uh, have a love of poetry, who, in being touched by a poem, that sometimes in the space of a few words or a few lines, it somehow manifests and expresses something considerably bigger. And to give another um, uh, um, illustration of what I um, mean, um, this one was written in the uh, 8th century and it's called The Monk and His Pet Cat. And it's a, um, a poem um, by a monk in a monastery in a place called Carinthia. And uh, um, um, an archbishop, an Irish archbishop, uh, in, in replying to the request by these Irish students for his favourite poem, um, sent uh, this one. And there's again a simple story which takes place, but the simple story conveys a larger truth. And that is the, the beauty of a story, it communicates a larger truth. And from listening and reflecting upon in, a, in, in the way of the, the uh, holistic perception which accommodates the jewel in a, in a nutshell. This one does it rather beautifully. The monk writes, I and my white pangoa each has his special art. His mind is set on, hu on hunting mice. Mine on my special craft. And it's called the monk and his pet cat. It's, fine. it's a monk is a contemplative. Better than fame, I love to rest with close study of my little book. White Panga does not envy me. He loves to ply his childish art. When we two are alone in our house, it is a tale without tedium. Each of us has games never-ending, something to sharpen our wit upon. At times, by feats of valour, a mouse sticks in his net, while in my net there drops a loved lore of obscure meaning. His eye, this flashing full one, he points against the fence wall, 
while against the fine edge of science I point my clear but feeble eye. He is joyous with swift jumping when a mouse sticks in his sharp claw and I too am joyous when I have grasped the elusive but well-loved problem. Though we thus play at all times, neither hinders the other. Each is happy with his own heart. Pursues it with delight. He is a master of the work, which he does every day, while I am a master of my work, bringing to obscure laws, obscure laws, clarity. Sometime in the relationship to life and in the in the dual of of life, and as the uh, the Christian monk uh, observes observes there, it's as though in our very functions and in our movement and processes of life, the, the cat has its existence, its tendencies, its leading towards its manifestations and and its joys, which of course some of us, empathetic to mice, will feel uh, a little uncomfortable with. And and we have our own own leanings, we have our own uh, movement and our and our, our own expression. And just as the the cat focuses its attention with tremendous stillness and perception on that which it wants to discover for its joy and uh, and seize upon, so to speak, for its joy. In rather the same way, in our own contemplative way, we are also engaging in a rather similar function. The eye, sometimes feeble, as we have seen in the witnessing over the days, and the observing, sometimes feeble on the pathetic, Still, nevertheless, the interest is there, the focus is there, to see what comes from that focus. So sometimes the characteristics of life in the various realms of life and in the dualities of life and the separations of it tend to show something in another way. Poetry, um, the heart, make a contribution to some realization about something. Sometimes not only with ourselves and our uh, and the animal realm too, but also again with each other. And as one of the people who was a friend of mine, Satish Kumar, who uh, is the editor of Resurgence, magazine of alternative values published in Britain. Some years ago, that must be about 30 years ago, he uh, was a Jain monk and he walked from uh, India to uh, England, uh, right through India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, through uh, Russia, right through Europe, walked every step of the way without a penny to their name and relied totally on trust and on faith, and took that definitely road less travelled <laughs> <laughs> from uh, India to, to Britain. When he was travelling from Pakistan, 
from India and walking through Pakistan, he told me that people would stop him and, and his friend and say, well, you know, who are you? You know, are you, are you, a, are you a Muslim? Are you a Buddhist? Are you a Jain? Are you a Hindu? And they would say, we are not those. Uh, we are a human being. We were born a human being. We are a human being. And, and, that, and a human being we will remain. And all the, S, all the rest, Buddhist, Hindu, Jain, Muslim, has all been added on afterwards and we're not interested in it. And in hearing this story from uh, uh, Satish, what struck me was the, 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 the beauty of the wisdom of it. What in the name of images? What in the name of um, labels that has been committed in, in awful tragedy centuries upon centuries through the identification with something called being this or being that which cannot be found in this world because it doesn't have a true existence. The label has no true existence. And of course they were somewhat bemused by these two wandering uh, ascetics passing through Pakistan having no interest in the carrying of a label. But what a difference it makes to our way of being in the world because through not identifying with one thing it doesn't polarize us with regard to something else because we've seen through the dualisms of that the painful conflicts of that we've seen as the tradition has said with such wisdom and determination we've seen the emptiness of holding on to that which doesn't have a true existence realize the emptiness of it and yet in that not realizing that and not recognizing that look at what happens to our earth and its people in our participation in the exploration of the dualities it is such that we have the immense challenge to allow our and to acknowledge the part that it appears to play in this world and yet in it in its in what it appears to play yet since we can truly be aware of this this movement this choice between this road and that road, uh, this decision or that decision, since there is some wondrous capacity of you and I as a human being to be aware of the choice, it implies, it, it, it says as though something is above those choices, something which it could be this or it could be that, as though we, as we do have the capacity to put both or more out in front of us, so to speak. That capacity to see this or that, have it as it were, out in front of us, what is that which allows us to acknowledge that? What is that which allows us to speak in this road or that road 
or whatever the language we are using. And sometimes we are so keen with our focus, with our object, with our direction in life, with the path that we take in life, we can't, we're not still enough to recognize the path as something in front of us. As what that which is revealing all of that. And the odd thing is that the bizarre and the mystical thing is that when we do stop and we are still and we are just <coughs> present, it's just something extraordinary seems to happen is that our mind, <coughs> with its thought and with its capacity to reflect and to think and to dwell upon, as it were, can't get back to that which reveals the mind. The light reveals the mind. The light reveals the, the thought and the movement and the activity, but it's as though we can't get the mind to really know that which is revealing our life, our choices, our direction, our path. And then, as the teachings have said again and again to us, that, as it were, with a capital T in a way, that which is revealing all, which is showing all this space, which even reveals the light of awareness, this space which we are, uh, is of primary essential concern for the human being. And the difficulty of it is, it's not, it's not tangible. It's not something that you and I can pick up you know, and hold. It's not something that you and I can keep. It's not something that the mind can ever give any kind of description towards. And the mind, in such an acknowledgement, our mind, including the heart and the feelings, finds itself, by circumstances, humbled by this realization. I can't get my mind back to that which reveals the extent of my inner life, shallow or deep. I can't get back to that which reveals the whole of the bodily life in all of its grossness and subtleness. What reveals that? I can't get to it. And yet, I know it through the revelation of my human existence. The very revelation of my human existence indicates, intimates something which is embracing it, which is accommodating it, which is revealing it, which is exposing it from the moment-to-moment -moment level. And one is humble because the mind cannot go to that which reveals the mind. The feelings cannot go to that which reveals the feelings. And thus, as I say, we are humbled by the truth of circumstances. And that which I speak of, that which is the, the heart, the essence, the source of spiritual life, I have no way of speaking of. But all that one can say that it is that which the Buddhists have struggled with in terms of 
referring it to as emptiness, me, meaning, meaning empty of any idea of what language to say. Empty of any way of putting it into any form of description or, or label, or label in any way. That all that one knows and, and, and is touched by is that that, with the capital T, that makes all things possible. And without that, nothing is possible. Nothing, nothing, nothing is possible. Without that which reveals all, which exposes all, which allows all. And that is the, the true concern of spiritual life. And one is so humbled, one realizes that there's no gap that every thought which is ever revealed is revealed because that makes it possible. Everything makes it possible. And so then we, we acknowledge the, the movements of life. We acknowledge the, the birth and death of life, the coming and going of life, the, the movement of this road or, or that road, this decision or that decision, this state of mind or that state of mind, because one knows that that reveals that. It, and the very appreciation of that, the recognition of that, in that recognition or in that realization, informs. And this is where the inexplicable truly has to come in. Because it somehow or other it informs the feeling life. It seems to inform the the mental life, the physical life, the, the, the living experience. And the person isn't so much transformed by putting one's life into order. Not so much transformed by finding a balance in one's inner emotional and conceptual and uh, theoretical life. It's that that realization informs all of that in a way which puts our whole existence into place. And one knows it's unshakably and beautifully in place. Therefore we say, let, let an enlightened life be the priority. Let's be willing to, together, to travel and to know and to be intimate with that road uh, less travelled. That when we come to any junctions in, in our life and the considerations which go when we arrive at those junctions, let's not be too much in a hurry to, say, go down the easier road. Let's not be too much in a hurry to go down the road which appears more safe or more attractive or or um, easier in any way. And there are many challenges and many illustrations and examples as we were hearing today in the go-around this afternoon and of people's lives who are at those kind of junctures find them and make their, those steps so that that realization of emptiness of that of truth, of God, however, whatever word or no word that we feel comfortable with, that 
that really is the priority. And that itself gives uh, a sustenance to life. And it brings all of our life, all the, <coughs> the dualities <coughs> of our life, instead of being polarized, these dualities, <coughs> from the standpoint of that, it has seen to be a holistic state of affairs. And for this we are truly and genuinely, eternally grateful. May your beings see into the dualities of life. <coughs> May your beings be touched with the poetry of life. <coughs> May your beings be awakened to that. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.